Do you love language learning but feel deprived of meaningful connection? Project OLAS takes a unique and impactful approach to Spanish learning. OLAS connects learners with women, or OLAS moms, for conversational, relationship-centered Spanish sessions, all online through WhatsApp. OLAS moms are women who live in the communities surrounding the Guatemala City garbage dump. And through OLAS, moms can generate income safely from home. If you want to learn Spanish through relationship-centered learning, all while supporting inclusion for a community of moms in Guatemala, Project OLAS is for you. Visit them at www.projectolas.com and start learning for just $13 a session. You're listening to the Speaking Tongues podcast. I'm your host, El Sharice. Each week, I sit down to a conversation with multilinguals where we discuss and celebrate language, life, and culture through our own perspectives. Episode 81, Speaking Icelandic with All Things Iceland. Hello, language lovers. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Speaking Tongues, the podcast in conversation with multilinguals. I'm thrilled this week to talk with Jules from All Things Iceland about the Icelandic language and culture. In this episode, Jules talks to us about the grammar of Icelandic, spoiler alert, it too has cases, and how her journey has been with learning the grammar and the cases of this language. We talk about ways that experiencing setbacks in a language can lead to some teachable moments, and she talks to us about what her experience has been like learning the language in the past five years of living in Iceland. Jules gives us an incredible tip for picking up some of the casual vocab and phrases in a language, and we even talk about an English-Icelandic hybrid that Icelanders sometimes use in conversation. We take a quick diversion to learning about humor in Iceland, and Jules tells us some of the things that she's loved and learned since living in the country. Big thank you to Jules for this conversation and for sharing your experience and your journey with Icelandic with all of us. If you enjoyed this episode of Speaking Tongues, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the Speaking Tongues podcast on Apple Podcasts, or like and subscribe on YouTube so that other language lovers like ourselves can find the show. And if you've been a longtime listener of the show or even a recent listener, you can now support the show on buymeacoffee.com. Links to all platforms are in the show notes. Okay, let's chat. Welcome back to another episode of Speaking Tongues. I'm here today with Jules. How are you today, Jules? I'm well, Elle. How are you? I'm fantastic. And I'm so happy that you had the time to join me today. And we're going to talk about Iceland and Icelandic. I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for having me. I'm excited as well. Yeah. So I like to start each episode with the same question, and that is, what is your first language and which languages have you learned to speak? My first language is English. And since I was born and raised in New York City, specifically in Brooklyn, and you're from Queens, so you know we're around many different languages. Mm -hmm. So at some point, I was picking up Spanish from my neighbors and a little bit in school, but I've forgotten all of that now. <laughs> so it's been <laughs> enough time that I've <laughs> been away from it. There are times where I can go, you know, maybe to a bodega or something if I'm in the neighborhood in, in Brooklyn and like some of it comes back, but 
I don't really consider myself a Spanish speaking person. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and yeah, so I think growing up those were at least the ones I was most exposed to. And then of course, like any slang or sort of Ebonics, not a lot of people spoke that around me, but just, you know, <laughs> the whole idea of there is code switching that happens right, in the right. Black community. And right. that was definitely something that was part of my childhood. And what have you learned to speak since you're living in Iceland? Hopefully. Yes, Icelandic. Icelandic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it does happen though, where some people I've known, I know of people, they're currently still living, that have been here for 20 years and they don't speak Icelandic. It's, it's possible. And, mm -hmm. you know, I think it's a tough one because everyone's journey is different. Right. And it, I'm sure it can feel very isolating. Like for a person like myself, I'm, and we'll talk about this, I'm sure, or maybe I'll go into it now. I don't know, whatever you prefer. <laughs> but um, learning Icelandic was, is way harder than I was anticipating. Mm. And that has not always been something I was willing to talk about because I didn't want to admit it to myself that I was struggling with being consistent with something that was making me annoyed. Mm. <laughs> it, it's not so much speaking the language as much as the different grammatical cases and how easy it is to be incorrect about something when you're mm. trying to you know decline a verb or a noun and yeah so Icelandic I'm conversational I'm definitely working on getting better meaning like mm -hmm. I'm an intermediate level um a lot of it has come down to my work schedule could be really crazy and I don't <laughs> always I don't work in Icelandic I don't have to okay so like that is a really interesting thing for me it's like I can be surrounded by Icelandic people but and speak them speaking it, but the, a lot of my job sometimes has to do or did when, in this other ad agency job I had was dealing with people speaking English and for mm -hmm. English crowds. So it was kind of it's it's been an interesting mix for me. I think in Iceland as well. Interesting that I think that's interesting because well, well I'll get into it later. I just want to um, I don't want to jump ahead and oh, yeah. <laughs> it's you know, so we'll, easy too, right? <laughs> it's so easy when you're just like chatting. Um, so. You mentioned a lot of the grammatical things that were difficult about learning Iceland, learning Icelandic. Mm -hmm. um, how were you able to get past that? How were you able to to manage that those grammatical difficulties? Yeah, uh, mainly allowing myself if I really felt stressed to have a little bit of a break because that's okay, and also pushing myself outside of my comfort zone. So my husband and I, he's Icelandic, and that's the okay. reason why I ended up coming to Iceland. Uh, that happens for a lot of people. <laughs> like, <laughs> most people are just not up and like, yeah, I'm going to move to Iceland. Maybe they do now because they have visited, but back in the day, this is not the case that most people wanted to move here. And it's also not easy for people if you're not from the EU or EEA countries. Mm -hmm. There's like a deal that they have. And I think I have to like, really go into some of the methods I used or I like we used together was picking like a day. We started off that way, picking a day where we only spoke Icelandic to each other. Okay. And then picking a week where we only spoke Icelandic and then picking a month, right? So it's just this, and getting corrected, of course, is so important because <laughs> you can sit and do grammatical exercises, which are crucial. I right. hate them. <laughs> but they're crucial. I do. I'm just not that. I learned that the hard way. I was like, I really don't like doing this. It's so 
excuse me, repetitive, but that's the point is that you're memorizing these rules and then the exceptions that happen. And that's another thing that makes Icelandic interesting is that there are a decent amount of exceptions that can feel frustrating because you think you've got it. And then a word looks similar, like a verb looks similar to another one, but it's actually a totally different class or category. And mm. it's like, oh no, that's the one with the exceptions. And it's like, why, why? <laughs> it's like, this is so unnecessary. Who wrote this? Do you have any, <laughs> do you have any examples of, of things mm. that have tripped you up or things that you find interesting that, that you had some challenges with? Yeah, I mean, I, I would say pronunciation for me has been relatively easy. I wouldn't say it's the easiest, but that's the thing I enjoy the most because it's mimicking and I, I mm. find myself liking to be able to mimic sounds. And just in terms of like a verb example, there's a word, ega, af ega, and that's to have, like to, to own something. And there's also a word, I guess maybe fara might be to go. So with fara, yeg fair, like I go. But with ega, I own, it's yeg ao. And it's like, a, it's not even, the word goes from being like four letters to being one letter, right? <laughs> it's just like, and it's like, and it's not any of the letters that's in the original form, like the, the nominative form of the verb. And you're just like, well, why isn't it like yeg fara? I would assume like, I mean, even though it sounds weird to say yeg, or something like that but still like just the idea that they look really similar or have mm. a similar ending and so I thought it would be and it's like no it's not that at all <laughs> like it's not even told it's like okay so you have to like just know it you know or have to memorize it and then if you're speaking in a certain type of voice okay uh, this all changes too and so just the grammar aspect I, I never paid as much attention to grammar or knew that there could be so much more to grammar I should say because we had language arts in school mm-hmm. but in Icelandic what this like declining when it's nominative nominative <laughs> genitive those cases a word can sometimes depending on what voice you're speaking in or whatever else it can have up to 30 different ways that you can change it yeah exactly I saw your eyes I'm like like okay it's exactly so that's pretty yeah it's daunting not all words like this but a lot of them and it wouldn't be surprising if they have at least like 10 or 15 so you're racking your brain trying to think of like what do I say and then translating Icelandic funny enough and appropriately sounds like at least in my opinion old English so you have oh. this um, kind of you know connection with Shakespeare you know uh, so like you hate the jewels means my name is but it's really I'm called jewels right <laughs> so like so it's, it's a very proper sounding so majestic like, right and so it's like okay <laughs> and so when I and, and apparently when I was looking this up old English and old Icelandic were mutually intelligible so mm. these people could talk to each other cool. and as people who are living in English-speaking countries, you know, they're, of course, connecting, interacting with other cultures, language changes and evolves, it becomes simpler. In Iceland, this is not what happened. They stayed (laughs) isolated and the language did not become simpler. It just kept being annoyingly difficult. (laughs) So, Uh. yeah. And that was the helpful thing for me was that I'm not making like, you know, Arabic or Chinese or something like Mandarin, those are much harder than Icelandic. Let's just be for real. I'm not trying to make it seem it's the hardest language in the world or something, but what's up there (laughs) with being (laughs) difficult and 
for English speakers, it would be hard. For a German speaker, the only, I've heard this from Germans, what makes it easier is that they're used to these cases already, mm, but it doesn't right. necessarily mean that they like pick up right. uh, the language right away. Or anything. Okay. Yeah, I noticed that people who speak languages that have cases, they they understand the cases, but like for like, if you don't speak a language that has cases that you're it's really confusing like I just remember from Latin it took me two years to even like what do I need this dative case for this accusative and like I was thinking yeah, you're saying that's the one I can remember <laughs> <laughs> and honestly I didn't get it until it was way too late I mean oh. I I was doing the work I was passing the class but I I understood it but it didn't really like click because mm -hmm. you know it was just, it was just one class. It was just one, it was four years, but it was just yeah. this one language I was, I was working with. Um, did you have any exposure to Icelandic before you moved to Iceland? I had, <laughs> okay, there's a program called Memrise. Oh, I don't yeah. know if you've heard of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so they had, I think they were the one of the first programs I found in order to get just some type of acclimation with what the language looks like and sounds and it was all over the place though because memorize is just you know I think six years ago or something mm. so uh, of course it's evolved since then but if it is still crowdsourced I'm not sure okay but at the time people were just uploading <laughs> you know Icelandic from like things that they had recorded and I don't know any kind of checks that were happening I'm not saying it was necessarily wrong because I would run it by a good match but I would go on there and learn things like colors and my first time visiting. Yeah, exactly. My first, I was, I felt like a five-year-old. So <laughs> my first time visiting Iceland, I remember being at the table for Christmas dinner. Or no, New Year's dinner, because I definitely didn't spend Christmas my first time. But I'm like at the table being like, yeah, I've, I've learned how to say blaur, which means blue. And everyone's at the table like, oh my God, good job. And I was like, in my head, I was like, this feels good, but I also feel like an idiot, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it's so elementary, but I appreciated the fact that they were so excited that I was taking some initiative to learn and can see that like, you know, this is at least something I would try. So yeah, I did a little bit, okay. but most of the time I feel like I was more concerned with finding jobs in Iceland because that mm. was my biggest thing before moving here was I told Kanat like I'm when he told me he was moving back to Iceland which was when we first got together I told him no problem like I'm totally down for going to Iceland sign I love me up that. <laughs> yeah not knowing a thing right mm. like not really knowing what I was getting myself into I'd seen I actually this is so, so funny as I jog my memory of course I saw Icelandic for the first time 15 or so years ago. So okay. we have a mutual Icelandic friend, Ore, who I went to college with. And he was, I think, the only Icelander on the campus or something. Mm -hmm. And I met him at a party and we ended up becoming friends. And one time at one of his house parties, I saw this book. It was like a beautiful, ornate looking book. I don't know if this was a purposeful thing or not, but I opened it up and I see all these strange characters, right? And I'm like, well, what is this? No one can read this. And he's like, no, it's Icelandic. He starts reading and I, I just start laughing because in my head, this sounds like it could be just some alien language that someone mm. made up, you know, like some Tolkien something. And so I just start like being 
this is ridiculous. Close the book. And I set it aside because in my head, I'm like, I'm never going to have to deal with this, right? Like mm-hmm. now here I am <laughs> just <laughs> continuously going throughout the day, tackling in my brain, the language and continuously trying to get better. So never say never, <laughs> never. in terms of things you'll do. Yeah. Maybe that was like a, an omen of your, your future to come. It was yeah. the first inkling you had to, um, opening up the doors of Iceland for you. Mm-hmm. Um, so you get to Iceland and you're, you don't speak Icelandic. I want to talk about this later, but I know I'll forget if I don't mention it. So, okay. I know that a lot of Icelandic people speak English. Mm-hmm. And I also know that Iceland is very vigilant about preserving their language as it is. Mm-hmm. So when, you, when you're telling me that you're concerned with finding a job and, and you're working obviously in Iceland and, and you're not speaking the language, what is that like? How is that received? Mm-hmm. Um, is, is it encouraged for you to learn? Is it just accepted that, you know, you'll conduct business in English and maybe Icelandic will come later? Like, what is that interaction like? Yeah, you definitely get grace when you first come, meaning mm-hmm. people understand that you don't know the language and they are eager to hear you say something if you want to. And at work, I remember, cause I worked for an, an outdoor adventure company in particular. Mm as their marketing manager. And that was great because not only did I get to interact of course with Icelandic people, but part of my job in the marketing aspect was experiencing the Icelandic nature that we're marketing to people. So the tours and everything else and going on glaciers and highlands and just like super beautiful, amazing things. So I was very grateful for that. And yeah, I mean, it was overwhelming. So the the first day I got on the, like I, the first day I landed in Iceland, right? My, the very next day after that, I went to work immediately. And I, I kind of did that on purpose because I'd taken like a break off from my other job and a month that we did some traveling. So I was pretty geared up with like, let's just go get in there, get to work. And I remember the first meeting we had, which was conducted in Icelandic. It was a company meeting. And I was just sitting there and my eyes were like glossing over, my brain was going numb. Like I just was overwhelmed with how much was being said, how quickly there were figures and, you know, PowerPoint slides. And I didn't know what they were talking about. Right? <laughs> it was just like, sounds good. And everyone, yeah. people were clapping at some point. It's like, okay, I'll clap too, right? <laughs> I'm clapping. So, uh, so that was, and that's when you start to realize that like I am, really I'm really here in Iceland Mm -hmm. and this is happening and I need to learn because I do not like feeling left out like this and they're not purposely trying to make you feel left out but like you've mentioned preserving language is really important this is Icelandic company the majority of people that work there are Icelandic and it makes sense that this is what happens at the same time you know they eventually had some rules where they would have a separate meeting. It was basically a summary of what happened in the meeting in Icelandic and English. So the mm. meeting could be an hour. The English one is like 10 minutes, right? So it's like- Lucky you. <laughs> but, you're, but then you're spending an hour and 10 minutes. I still have to sit through the Icelandic- Oh, well, that's- <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so my brain's already fried. And 
then you're like, I'm not getting everything that was said, obviously, because mm. so much more was in an hour, 50 minutes is just, you mean to tell me nothing else was important that you said in the right. other 50 minutes? So yeah, I think that aspect in general and going like to lunch with each other and stuff like that. So there was a lot of encouragement. There was never any pressure from anyone at that job who told me like, you better learn within this time period. You okay. know, I've, I've heard people who they were given like you have six months and they were only going to like conduct any communication with you in Icelandic. And I was like, I, I, that's not happened to me. I even, I've had, I've worked in two different places here. I remember having good conversations with the CEO who was like, yeah, we totally encourage you to do it, learn. It's like, I work all the time. Like I work all the time past nine to five. Mm. (laughs) When do I have time to go learn Icelandic? And I did my first job. I had more time. So I would go to classes in the evening. So I'd be at work from like eight to four. Can I go class from five to seven 30? And then I'd go home and smash my head in the pillow and try my best to to rejuvenate. And it wasn't working. And actually I did this, I think for a good six to eight weeks. Mm. And I felt like I was losing my mind because it was three days a week and I had to stop. I took a break. I took a a lengthy break actually. And it was my first year. I think it was, I started in June and it was in September. I I started doing the classes and yeah, I'm just like, when I think about it now, you know, it might've been better to go to university because it is more structured. It's like a different thing. And this is just more like a language school that does Mm. their own thing. Mm -hmm. I enjoyed as I got to understand more but the process of understanding more was not just, I can cram stuff into my head and it's just going to be instant recall. There was a lot of moments where I felt really down mm-hmm. about myself. I was critiquing myself. I said that, you know, after three years of being here, if I'm not fully fluent, even though I was not only focusing on learning Icelandic and didn't have as much time as I would have liked, then I was failing, right? And I remember the third year came around and I ignored it. <laughs> like I knew it was there, but this is the back of my mind, right? And that's when I had a conversation with, I think it was the CEO of the company, the ad agency, and I broke down. Not in that conversation, because I was definitely not gonna let him see me cry, because mm-hmm. he wasn't saying anything that was cry worthy. It was just more like the flood of this anniversary I had made up, as well as self criticism had just mm. seeped in so deep because I was doing so well in everything else and this one thing felt like I was failing and even though people were saying no, no you're doing really good your sonic's really good blah, blah blah they're just trying to keep me encouraged and I was like no it's not enough mm. right it's mm-hmm. like I never felt like it was enough I always right. felt like I was just behind yeah wow so tell me let let's let me put a positive spin on this so our listeners understand. Um, in this period, as you're learning, and we all have good days and bad days, like that's not, you know, unique to anyone who's learning a language. Like, right. you know, some days stink and some days are, you know, you want to throw a party. Um, what were some of those moments and some of those days when you felt like you want to throw a party because you had a big win mm-hmm. with the language? Like, do you remember those moments and, and how good you felt? Mm-hmm. Definitely. I remember making phone calls like to the bank or something and conducting it all in Icelandic. And I was like, what? <laughs> I just did that. That's amazing. Or going through the challenge of a week in Icelandic and realizing it wasn't that hard. I mm. could do this. Or, or talking to my mother-in-law. She's super encouraging. 
best mother-in-law for me, in my opinion, you know, I mean, I've <laughs> another one, but I think she's the best. <laughs> and, you know, just that and her being like, wow, that was amazing. We just talked the whole time in Icelandic. So yeah, there are definitely days where I should pat myself in the back more. Mm-hmm. Sure. Have a party, as you say. So I appreciate that. To yeah. Highlight those positives. And I think too, when you speak in Icelandic and someone's like, did you grow up here? Are you, like they or, or they're kind of confused because they're like, how do you how do you speak it so well? And it's like, ha. well, <laughs> if you, you only knew what I've been through, but thank you, right? <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> oh, that's gotta yeah. feel great. Mm-hmm. Tell me about the experience that I guess you know you've. Sounds like you've done you you've thrown a lot of different methods toward learning this language with the apps mm-hmm. with school. And with immersion, and especially as you're, as you're working in an office, you're surrounded by, you know, you got this one hour meeting and you have all this, uh, this input. Um, how was the immersion experience? I, maybe even outside of the office, since we, we mm-hmm. talked about work quite a bit, but how, what was the immersion experience like? I guess the language and the culture, if it, if it relates. Um, what was that experience like for you and, and how did that help you further along in your, your journey? Yeah, it is for sure culture related. I mean, there's so many things in the language that are so deeply embedded in Iceland and how people go about their lives or even see situations. So at home, without pushing it, like making it a big deal in terms of a requirement, it's easy for us to speak in English because that's how our relationship started. And Gunnar lived in the United States for eight years. Mm, mm-hmm. So for him, it's this, this, and he did his PhD in English, you know, his, his dissertation. So he's well-versed in English and doesn't phase him to speak it. Uh, at family parties, this is where it gets fascinating because the family parties, you know, everyone can speak it, but it just, it makes sense that they would eventually just go and speak Icelandic, like it just happens, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm totally fine with that. But that's the part where the immersion happens, where you're just like, oh, okay, now I'm listening. And you turn into this observer. <laughs> <laughs> and the funniest part to me is always when I would get lunch, say at work or just somewhere around people speaking Icelandic, and I'm still like grasping what they're saying. And I'm watching them. And like a baby, babies watch people's lips. Mm-hmm. And so I'm watching their lips. And trying, yeah, trying to understand. And uh, they they usually stop though because it's kind of uncomfortable <laughs> for someone to be staring so intently at what you're saying, but they're right. kind of just watching your lips, you know. At the point they're like, then they try to address you, and you're just like, no, 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 keep talking. I'm I'm, I'm listening. <laughs> so like, I, it's been really good. And sometimes there's been mishaps in the past, like not as much now, but like in the past, where like someone will say something to me and I misinterpreted what they said and I just give them an answer. And they're like, no, this is actually what I meant. And I'm like, oh, mm. that's not what I heard, sorry. Or that's what I hoped you were saying. <laughs> so I had the answer to it. So yeah, it's, um, I think it's been good. And then sometimes it's been isolating, mm-hmm. you know, going to parties or whatever else. And at the same time, I don't regret any of it. And I've learned a lot about myself Mm-hmm. I've also learned that I can either destruct myself like I can, with self-criticism or 
I can use these as teachable moments for myself about the things that I could learn or right. try my best in those situations and then just keep on going. So I have like a private teacher now as well too. That's helping me to really like hone in on the things I want to get better at grammar, mm-hmm. of course. <laughs> Your favorite. <laughs> and my favorite. Yeah. Trying to find ways to make that fun. He does a good job. He's, he shows me like cartoons and you know, different interesting things. Cause otherwise I'm just like, I don't want to do those. <laughs> you know, like I'll, I'll show up and I'll do it of course. But like my brain is like, oh, okay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I was going to say, I think it's really interesting when you, and you, you mentioned like dinner parties and get togethers and things like that. And I think it brings like a whole new level of like getting ready to go out when you're immersed in a country, a city where you, you don't speak the language and you're learning the language. And I don't Mm -hmm. know about you, but I feel like when it's happened to me, when I've been traveling and I'm, you know, at a table with a couple of people beyond the pleasantries, I always Mm -hmm. am just like, why didn't I think to learn? It's always hindsight. Like, why didn't I think to learn just something to say about even the weather or, you know, like a a current event or how to compliment somebody's dress or their hair Mm -hmm. or their shoes just to like break the ice a little bit. Um, And I I feel like you never know the words that you don't know until Mm -hmm. you need to fill in those words. And I'm always just like, you know, fist shaking to the sky. Like, why didn't I just think of this before? But in the case of Iceland, and I guess maybe not in that particular situation or just in general, um, because so many people can have conversations in English, have you ever encountered, encountered moments where someone's trying to explain something and it's not clicking and then they switch over to English or do they uh-huh. trying with Icelandic in, in general? Often they are quick to switch to English. Okay. And I think this is depending on the person, but the majority of people, I feel like it's usually they want to be helpful. And so they don't want to see you struggle because they know the language is hard. And Icelanders will even say, like, we think the language is hard, which I don't think helps. Because <laughs> it's just like, I know you mean to be like nice, but it's that that sucks. Okay. <laughs> that you all that you grew up learning it all your life and you think also it's hard. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, yeah, so it's it's pretty off. Like yeah, I'd, I'd say on um on an occurrence where like if you're in the supermarket here, for instance, I live in Moso, Mosfetsvide, and that is a 20, 15, 20 minute drive from downtown. So if I go to the store or if I go to the pharmacy or uh, doctor's office, what I was trying to think of, then they'll be like, they'll automatically speak to me on my Sunday. Mm. And if I'm trying and they see I'm trying, they will try with me. And so I get to a point where I'm like, look, I don't know, I don't know what to say. So, <laughs> so they'll be like, okay, no problem. Right. But downtown, it's almost the opposite because there's so many tourists as well, that they will just speak English almost mm. automatically. And some yeah. Icelanders get upset with this because they're annoyed. And I remember taking some language classes last summer in August in the Westview, which is a really remote area. And it was great because in the town, a lot of people, yes, they speak English, but they're so used to speaking Icelandic because it's such a small town of, of Icelanders. But it's a, it's a great place to practice. And I was going on a bike ride and there was a guy who was painting his house 
And I needed to make sure I was on the right path because it's on a, I was riding to an abandoned road mm-hmm. and you had to cross the highway to get there. And I was kind of like, I don't know if that's right. Like this seems oh, a little yeah. dangerous, right? I see. <laughs> right. So I needed to talk to him and I spoke to him in Icelandic and he was very helpful. And I told him that, you know, I'm still learning and uh, whatever else. He's like, no, it's great. And he's like, cause I don't really know English. <laughs> and I was like, Oh, <laughs> interesting. You know, so it was one of those moments that like, if I hadn't, been able to conduct this conversation in Icelandic I wouldn't have gotten anywhere in English because he would have looked at me like I don't know what you want where do you want to go right Mm. like so yeah it was it is fascinating that the rural or more or less outside of the downtown area you get the better your chances are and Mm -hmm. many people have come here and gone to horse farms for instance and for three months and they're just immersed hardcore farmer doesn't know English doesn't want to know English not trying to like accommodate you whatsoever learn Icelandic or cry yourself to sleep and, yeah. and you probably cry yourself to sleep <laughs> anyway and then learn Icelandic <laughs> so that's one way <laughs> um like I we mentioned before about uh Icelanders Icelanders mm-hmm. Icelanders. Icelanders Icelandic people whichever okay Icelanders is seems it feels more succinct to say mm-hmm. Icelanders. Um, since we were saying that there there is this movement to preserve the Icelandic language and English is unavoidable and and things like this. And I guess since you also worked for a marketing agency and you've you've done social media and things like this, are there any um, I guess where do you see English encroaching? into Icelandic and maybe making like a Icelandish yeah. kind of like, does that happen? Does mm-hmm. it, are, are people doing it? Like, oh, what? Yeah. what? <laughs> Absolutely. It is so weird because you'll hear someone talking in Icelandic and then it will be like a phrase you would hear in English. If someone would say something and they'd be like, bara, and bara is like, but, and it's like, uh, so bara, not the end of the world. And then it would just keep going on in Icelandic. And I was like, what? Why, uh-uh. did, why did you say not the end of the world in English instead of saying it in Icelandic? It's because maybe like they saw, they heard this phrase. I'm just giving a really random example because I couldn't think of the one that came to mind. But even like knee socks, I heard someone talking about knee socks and they said it knee socks instead of like, yeah, socker or something like that. And mm. I was like, huh, that's bizarre. <laughs> you know, like, and I was on the radio um, and then kids, they use a lot of slang. Mm. so chilla is like chill right it's just like it's not you're not even trying oh, cool. at this point <laughs> so, like, whereas you have like slapa off which is to chill or to like relax mm-hmm. but because chill is a cool word that maybe someone's heard it finds its way into the vernacular and mm. it's not it's definitely encroaching to, to a degree but I don't I don't know how much it will change things. I, I'm just more interested to see if the language becomes more simpler mm. to talk. And there are people who are hardcore grammar nerds in Icelandic, <laughs> and they get very upset when they see things. And it might be because the younger generations are pushing the limits when it comes to like, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do it. This, I'm going to say it this way, you know. Um, mm-hmm. Or I've heard people say like, yeah, a lot of Icelanders even say this wrong, even though grammatically this is the way it is, because they've just gotten so accustomed to saying it a certain way. Yeah. Is it a thing where like with knee socks, for example, is there a word for knee socks? And then like, 
Not that I know of. Okay. Meaning like you can explain what the sock is on your knee, right? Like it goes up to your knee. But okay. yeah, I don't know if there's actually a term for knee sock. I really applaud Icelanders for trying to hold on to their language as much as they can because outside of Iceland, people don't speak Icelandic. So if they don't hold on to their language and their traditions and we're all in a digital world right now, like those mm-hmm. things are gonna go away. So I think I think it's really great that, you know, that there is these me- measures there, but I also think it's great that people mix languages because that's, that's what you do. Like yeah. we, all, everybody does it. And I, I just, I'm, I'm glad to hear that it's not this like, you know, the grammar police are not going to come yeah. knocking down your door if you, <laughs> if you mix, if you They, mix they might knock down, you know, your Facebook page or something, who knows, because, <laughs> but in the end it isn't, yeah, unless you're writing something in the paper or mm. something like that, then it might come across as being, especially for a foreigner, mm. then it's like, you just don't know, whereas right. for a person who's native, I don't know if they would get it worse, Hmm. perhaps you know I'm not sure right do you is it something that do you hear these kind of um this this mix of language do you ever hear it on like tv shows or morning tv or anything like that Mm, yeah I think the news like the strict news doesn't do this Mm -hmm. because unless there's something that like really doesn't fit in terms of a term um, cause I've watched different news channels and a lot of the times they, they stick to it. And I think that's cause you have older generations who are usually the ones watching this mm. and you want to make sure you're catering to this audience <laughs> and this audience are also usually the ones who are most likely to complain. Mm. <laughs> so, so if they're not getting it or if it's not feeling like the language is how they, you know, grew up talking it, or it's not more business-like or does it fit within, you know, what this medium was supposed to be then it would be harder but then you have the gossip mags like mm. dia Vaf is great Gosh. because for me that's like national Enquirer. you know it's garbage news and i love it because it's where i can learn where people are speaking the language now like how mm. they're speaking so they of course they're an editorial but they talk about all different types of gossip like icelandic gossip gossip from overseas it's the most random things ever <laughs> and i was just like so i've learned and I, I, I that's how i'm actually getting better at grammar is reading garbage gossip that's an amazing tip like i never i don't think anyone's ever mentioned that like on this show before just like reading okay. gossip magazines because oh my god i have to process this because <laughs> <laughs> you're interested in the topic i mean if you're if you're like me i'm i i don't watch a lot of shows but when I go back to the U.S., for instance, I kind of binge watch like Real Housewives of Atlanta, you know, <laughs> it's kind of ridiculous. <laughs> and, and they don't talk about Real Housewives of Atlanta, but they do have the same type of clickbait, you know, Daily Mail, ridiculous stuff about celebrities. And I've, in my time, definitely looked at plenty of National Enquirers while online at the supermarket. I never buy them because I just, I really can't support them like this <laughs> but it still catches your eye right? right and the articles are normally short too mm-hmm. but they have this you know thing where they had this guy I think who he was 20 years old dating a woman who was 60 you know it was just, like, it caught my eye and I was like it was so stark the the difference between them two that I just mm-hmm. had to read this article and I was like oh I learned some things here <laughs> that's great that's yeah. great I guess you know 
if you're interested in pop culture and that kind of stuff, or even if you take a moderate interest in it, it's a good way to understand like the colloquialisms of a language mm -hmm. um, and maybe things that you've heard people say, but you don't know how to spell it. Like I hear yes. things like in French and I'm like, okay, but I can imitate you, but I don't really know what I'm saying. But, you know, yeah. I guess once you, where else would you see it? Oh my God, this is my new hot tip. I love yeah, <laughs> nice. I'm glad that this is helpful. And it's funny, I never thought of it, of meaning of sharing, because people are always like, what do you do to learn Icelandic? And I'm like, oh, you know, I do this, this. But yeah, I never thought of talking specifically about gossip mags, but it keeps me interested. And yeah, wow. I love it. Love it, love <laughs> it, love it. From what you've observed, how does the Icelandic culture inform the language? And mm -hmm. by that, I, I think of in the way that New Yorkers, and you know, because we're both New Yorkers, um, we speak quickly, but we also have a bit of defensiveness in the way that we speak. And I think that's because we're conditioned to not just move quickly, but we're also conditioned to um, be conscious of our surroundings and to know like what's around us. Um, I know that some cultures are you know, they're more open, more talkative and others, other people are more concise and to the point and they're not much for small talk and chit chat. Yeah. Um, some cultures are very formal. Some are informal, like Australians who, you know, they're just, you know, big balls of, of love and, and, and warm. Um, are there anything or is there anything about the culture, maybe even the landscape or the climate in Iceland mm -hmm. um, that you know, it informs the language and how people communicate with one another. Yeah, definitely. It's really funny when you think about this because Iceland is, is a harsh place, meaning the landscape is, well, they don't have many trees now. Back in the day when settlers came and Vikings came, there were a lot of trees, but they were chopped, chopped down, <clears throat> even though there's been like, a lot more planting happening. But the weather, super harsh, hard to survive here. And people just were really poor for a long time. This mm. is not that long ago. People were living in turf houses, which is like mud on the roof with grass and then it's some stones, you know? Wow. So this is leaping from that to modern times, like I mentioned, not that far and being very direct. So in Icelandic, there's not, there's not a please, right? There's like Vincent Legas, but it's not, you don't really say like Vincent Legas you know, follow me or something, or me. And it's like, mm, no, just come with me. Mm. <laughs> or like, if I, need you, if I need you to come, come there, which means you come, right? right? And of course it's the tone that you use, but it's weird because I often am feeling like I need to be more formal. And so how do I be more formal? And Icelandic, the way that it just comes off is very informal, very direct. And Icelanders can be this way, very laid back people. Fetteretast is the, I would say it's not written anywhere as like the national phrase, but I feel like it, it is just you know, unwritten basically at this point and might as well at some point be put down. And in essence, it means everything will work out. So, <laughs> This does sometimes give people the justification to not actually plan ahead. <laughs> but because <laughs> things are so uh, based off of whether or not like the weather is gonna be good, like you just don't know, it's very volatile weather. 
So maybe we'll be able to get this thing, this chore done today. Mm. But if the weather keeps us inside, whatever, it'll work out. We just got to keep going, you know, and then it kind of spins into modern times of like, maybe I'm maxed out all my credit cards. it's not supposed to mean that really Mm -hmm. from what I understand but it definitely happens and people say it uh or if something happens that is unfortunate you know um not like a death or anything but more of like just an unexpected circumstance that you just kind of not not wanting to happen then it's Mm. like you know just it'll it'll be okay it'll be fine yeah yeah so that definitely works into the culture here and how people often are impulsive mm. so the, the lack of planning part meaning like organizing organizing and going like we're going to have this strategic plan of things we're going to do it's like germans are you know very much like this whereas i said people were like nah <laughs> i really like this idea right now that's what we're going to do okay. and it's even like we talked about something else yesterday it's like no but this this is this is what i like now so mm-hmm. we're gonna do that <laughs> it's like but we had this whole meeting <laughs> to make a plan. But we're no longer doing that. Okay, fine. Uh, there's also a lot of crude jokes. Oh. Uh, a lot of jokes about, I don't know if I can say penis on your podcast, but um, yeah. so tippe is, means penis in Icelandic. Mm-hmm. And to the point where I feel like people just find ways to make jokes about penis. <laughs> right? And this is men and women. So mm-hmm. I was at a, a photo shoot two weeks ago. And this woman somehow, she was saying in Icelandic, a joke about Tippi. And I just started laughing. I was like, this is an all women's thing, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's not one guy in sight and she just wants to joke about men genitalia. I don't know why. And it's just, mm-hmm. yeah. And then there's like, um, and this happens at work. Like there are, uh, not to say that it's like sexual harassment, mm-hmm. you know, I'm sure it can definitely border on that if you're talking to a certain person, but um it isn't unusual to be at a party with your coworkers and jokes like this come up. And mm-hmm. so it's just, it's like I mentioned, like very informal and almost like not realizing that like in the U S you'd be reported to HR. Like there'd be yeah. all these things happening to you. Get packing. Yeah. Mm-hmm, exactly. <laughs> it's like, he talked about his dick, you know, it's just like, yeah. it's like, but it was a joke. And, and yeah. So, so I wonder um, because I love humor and I, I don't talk about humor enough, like as it, as it relates to language, but now that you're saying this, I really think that every culture has its kind of like subject of what they find mm-hmm. funny, whether it's like scatological or whether it's about sex or mm-hmm. genitalia or death. Hey, what, death. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. So if this is Iceland's thing and their jokes are about penises, are they funny? <laughs> uh, are they funny? Depends. And I'm saying like, are they funny or are they, are they goofy? Are they offensive? Are mm. they like, where, what side of that does it fall onto? I would say goofy most of the time for me, but that's mm. also because I think a, the prude in me comes out sometimes. And I am trying to shed that by realizing that like, this is not where I come from. And mm-hmm. sometimes people are just being silly, you know? I've, I've never found it offensive because it didn't come across as trying to be, but it was almost like getting over social awkwardness and saying something really silly. Yeah, know? yeah. I wouldn't say childish because sometimes Icelanders do get described as being naive and I don't believe that they're naive. I think that this is, there is an aspect of social awkwardness sometimes. Um, not every Icelander is going to be super welcoming, meaning they're friendly to you, 
mm-hmm. but they can be very closed off until they get to know you or kind of get a right. sense from you yeah what's up and that part can take be a little hard and so maybe breaking the ice for some people or knowing they're going to get a laugh with this in particular is something that's like a go-to mm-hmm. kind of similar with death too um Icelanders and, and Finnish people apparently have this in common where in movies where it's like really dark and messed up they're laughing at the parts where people were like, that's not funny. You know, it's just like, why are you laughing at this? This is weird. Yeah. So, yeah, it's an uh, interesting mix. Yeah. That's just how I initially see it. And I don't know if that is the whole story, mm-hmm. but yeah, those things seem to get thrown around in circles of people who are <laughs> maybe don't know each other that well. And they're just like, ah, tippe, you know, and then all of a sudden everyone's just laughing. Is it the kind of joke that you'd hear on? And I, I I always go back to pop culture, but is it a kind of joke that you'd hear maybe on a variety show, late night talk show, mm. something like that? Is it, does it get past like, I don't know if there is censorship or what kind there is, but you know, d- can you hear these things on TV? Not the news, but like yeah, yeah. any other type of show. Yes, yes, you definitely can. I mean, there is a, it's called Aura Skype, which is the yearly comedy show or yearly roundup show. And in essence, every New Year's this happens where there is a, a SNL-like mm. show where they do like satire uh, based off of like the biggest news stories or biggest events of the year. And they, in essence, it's just like to laugh, but also a reminder that like this weird crap happened this year or something. So yeah, definitely. And they are not shy. I mean, there was one time where they had, it's like a fireworks thing because they sell fireworks, the the search and rescue team. This is also in in itself a weird joke, in my opinion. The search and rescue team sells fireworks that people can blow off. Some of them are like little rockets. But if you were to like hurt yourself, who's going to come and help you, right? Mm. So it's like, (laughs) it's like, this makes sense. <laughs> it's like it's kind of encouraging people to do dangerous things and you're part of helping. <laughs> so like, um, but that's how they make money because they're a volunteer organization. So mm-hmm. in my opinion, like when I heard these things, I was like, I'm joking about like, what is this? This is mm-hmm. super But I, they had a skit about the social rescue team and they had the names of the, and this is a family event that everyone's watching. So they okay. had the names of the, some of the fireworks as being like BDSM related. Right. So like, so yeah, oh. he's like turning around and so like, he's like wearing like a corset and like, it's like, it's, you know, they just kind of went for it and children are watching this. Like everybody's watching this and everyone's just like, huh, that's hilarious. I was like, what? <laughs> this would not be okay. Like, you know, Janet Jackson's boob showing by mistake on, right. uh, and what is a halftime show. Mm-hmm ruined, like uh, derails her career. And like this, they're doing like BDSM jokes on like, the family <laughs> events <laughs> so, like, yeah so it's very it doesn't really think it's very relaxed in regards to those things too and I think a lot of Icelanders have had to learn like even taking pictures because they're so used to like taking pictures of their kids and maybe the kids are naked out mm. on the lake or something and it's like posting on Facebook and it's like no 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 oh no <laughs> you can't do that, you can't do that. <laughs> right you're like but it's my child it's like it doesn't matter yeah some somebody is going to some authority is going to be calling you so you have to take it down. I mean yeah. it's been a while since that but like just this kind of like they're not taking it that serious mm. right because this is a normal thing why are we being so right judgmental of mm-hmm. people's nudity and when you come to a pool in Iceland if there's a facility you have to take a shower naked 
So they're, they're separated by genders, but you have to take a shower naked with all the other women. Mm-hmm. So you're all in just one big, you know, room that has different shower heads and you just undress and you go shower naked. And there are in some bigger pools, attendants who watch to make sure that everyone is soaping up and whatever else, because they want to keep the pools clean. And I know many friends who've had issues with this and they're like, we're going to take off, or, I can't just do my bathing suit. And it's like, no, they will. If you go in your bathing suit, they would say, excuse me, you have to take your bathing suit off. Like, it was just like, <laughs> people will not be shy about actually stopping you. Yeah. So yeah, there's a lot, I think, in the culture and in the language you hear things, like I mentioned, the tatarathas part that it's, or, you know, I don't know, I'm trying to think about other things, but it's very direct, or even the, the translations of words are very direct too. Mm-hmm. So the infamous Eya Fiatlayokut, I feel like that's a, a fun one because Eya means island, Fiatla means mountain, and Yokut means glacier. So the island, mountain, glacier, that's literally what it means, right? It's just like, I'm describing what this thing is <laughs> <laughs> very plainly, and you can't mistake it, right? right? So a lot of Icelandic words even translate this way, like to the point. So I love your, your YouTube channel. And all the, that's how I found you and all the things that you, obviously it's called all things Iceland. Mm -hmm. And before I even go any further, I realized just because I was so excited to talk to you that I didn't situate our listeners. Um, How long has it been that you've been living in Iceland? (laughs) (laughs) Since 2016. So a little over five years now. Okay. Five years. So I hope everyone has, you know, bared with us. (laughs) (laughs) And how long have you been doing the channel? Since 2018, it was my, so I, my podcast started until I was 18, I think in June. And then I put out a video on YouTube in October, 2018, but I was not like dedicated to YouTube mm. because first of all, I was afraid of it. Scary. <laughs> you know, it's just like, it is scary. <laughs> We're not nice. There, there's so many trolls. There's so many nice people. Let's be fair. Like, the majority are nice people. I'm very grateful you just sometimes get really like, you know, jarred when you get those comments that are just don't make any sense and are not based off of any logic. They might not even watch the video. They just mm. assume things about you, which is always fun. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, so my, the audio part was con- has been consistent since 2018. And I've only consistently been doing YouTube since July of 2020. Okay. Yeah. So in that, this time frame of the last year, mm-hmm. my channel grew a ton because yeah. I actually was putting more effort into it and learning and just understanding how to mm-hmm. speak to people. Yeah. On Once you get comfortable, it gets easier to keep producing too. Yeah. And for me, it's like, I don't, while I do want people to request things, a lot of the times the video ideas are just what I feel good about. Mm. So it's like something I observed or something I realized that people might not understand. So let me just relate this because I have some insight about it. Right. What, when you moved to Iceland, um, and you've been there for five years, as you mm-hmm. said, mm-hmm. Um, what are some things that when you first started becoming acquainted with the culture, um, what are some things that surprised you? Mm. <laughs> what are some things that, uh, took you a while to get used to, and you are used to them now. Um, and what are some things that you've grown to love and feel like I can't live without this? Or when you're away from Iceland, like you you miss it and you can't wait to come home to it. Yeah, I'll go backwards. So okay. I'll start with the last one. 
can't can't I wouldn't say can't live it out, but it's very hard when you have to change it. And that's the water. Oh my gosh, the water out of the tap is just amazing. It's so good. It's fresh, it's delicious. It's not filled with chemicals and chloride and fluoride and whatever. It's it's so good. And the nature, oh mm. man. So the nature is amazing. And of course the water and nature, just, they go hand in hand. So those two things I would say are, have been transformative for me mm. in Iceland because, mm-hmm. you know, I go back to New York, I'm like, ooh, the water is weird. Like it's not horrible, but it's, I need mm. a filter. Like mm-hmm. this, is, this is not gonna do it for me. <laughs> so, and, the, and, and filter water doesn't even, it's not even enough. It's not as good. Mm-hmm. so yeah this is definitely having some of the best water in the world makes it hard to go to drink other things and wow. things that surprised me I'm skipping again it's just whatever it's okay uh so when I first got here I definitely had to get used to well I heard about it before but I didn't know that people were really going to do it and I was leaving their kids outside in carriages to sleep mm. mm-hmm. and this is Still, it's not something I'm used to. I'm not gonna lie. Meaning, like, I'm obviously I know that it happens, but it. I don't have a child, and I thought to myself, like, if I had a child, would I do this? Mm. I also said to myself, would I eat licorice? And I said, no. And now I do it. So, like, I don't know <laughs> if I have a kid because someone told me they were like, if you're tired, you will try it because it works wonders. And mm-hmm. I was like, mm, okay. So they bundled the kid up, put him in a carriage. They might put him on the balcony. Obviously not on a really windy day or anything, but they put him on the balcony. <laughs> or like if you're in a coffee shop, you would leave your kid outside the coffee shop right next to the door or something on the street because you're not worried about anybody kidnapping your child. Mm-hmm. So this thing, when I first encountered it, I was just so afraid that someone was going to kidnap the child right. because we're from New York, right? Yeah, like, yeah. This is, you know, underground child <laughs> selling. I don't know, like whatever, whatever happens to children, abductions. Like it was just really horrible. And you always hear about like your parents and as you mentioned before like you always watch your back you're very alert like this is just a part of city life mm-hmm. in new york and really it's, it's bigger cities so i i think that part was really bizarre to me mm-hmm. and speaking on the inhale icelanders do that and that was not something i was used to either so the word yeah i was used to the word yow because it's really dramatic so <gasps> like talking like that that's something people do. And they'll, they can do full sentences while inhaling. Really? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ganesh does it a lot. And I've started to do it because it's just, I hear it so often that it's just become a part of me. And I'm like, who am I? What am I doing? <laughs> Hiking is not something I really did before. Mm-hmm. And I'm also like, pick that up. So yeah, there are a couple of things. And I think that that at us to a degree, meaning mm-hmm. I can be sometimes very like, organized and wanting things to be this certain way and it's like no I really don't have any control of the situation I've done what I can so mm-hmm. that at us and yeah just keep it moving that's a good philosophy to have in life I think mm-hmm. um just just know that it'll work out just really quickly um you know being a black woman in Iceland um what has your experience been like um you know in the years that that you've been there mm-hmm it has transformed a lot. It has evolved because my understanding of the culture and more insights, you know, it's just happened naturally, but also all things Iceland. One of the biggest reasons why I started it was because I wasn't seeing information or hearing things that I wanted to hear mm. and being black here. So I made a YouTube video about it because I really wanted to share this perspective. And of course this is being black meaning as a foreign national 
being right. black. This is not the people who are mixed heritage here or even might've come at an early age to Iceland and grew up, whatever. It's totally different. And there are great resources and places where you can learn that. People have really opened up about talking about it due to George Floyd's murder mm-hmm. and the Black Lives Matter movement. This has really sparked a lot of conversations. And when I first got here, I had rose colored glasses on for sure, because my life was very much, and it may probably still like very much in a bubble, right? Like I was at a job where people were super nice. I, you know, did not have to start my life over. I was basically in a, I wouldn't say prestigious position, but like when you come in kind of in a managerial type of role into a country where, you know, and you're bringing some expertise to it, you get a different level of respect and you know and also being from new york city there's a lot of bias there meaning icelanders really respect and like people from new york i found mm-hmm. i don't know about the rest of the u.s can't speak for it <laughs> but it just so it's like people always go like wow you're from new york why would you ever leave new york right everything is there and it's like yeah literally everything is there packed in <laughs> so like, that's that's why you leave new york <laughs> but so i think like i was fortunate but also uh, I wouldn't say disadvantaged, but just like lacking in, in hearing some of these things. And mm-hmm. a lot of people too were not aware of what was happening. I, I did an interview with a woman, Althis Amma, who's a friend of mine. I call her my Instagram cousin. So we talk <laughs> a lot there. And her mom is white, a white Icelandic woman and her dad is a black American man. Mm-hmm. And she didn't grow up with her father. So she just kind of had to navigate. And for her, it was like, no big deal. I mean, there was one incident where a kid called it inward when they were really little and her mom was furious about it, but she just kind of brushed it off like no big deal. But after people started sharing their experiences from last summer, like due to the last summer, she also opened up and realized there were a lot of things that she had kind of pushed aside mm. and didn't really, wasn't aware that this was discrimination or microaggressions or whatever, you know? And so I thought that was really interesting. And so she's become an advocate and using her platform, especially because she's from theater and advocating on like more diversity in theater and like all these places, it's like, wow, you know, this is, it's amazing what can happen and how much your narrative can change mm-hmm. when you get a chance to hear other people's stories. Sometimes yeah. the stories are worse than yours, but it mm-hmm. still clicks something with you that you're like, whoa, okay, I've been totally ignoring this or not aware of this. Right. So yeah. And then I also did this interview with this woman, Dr. Christine Lofstotter. And that's when my rose colored glasses changed shade for sure. So she is a professor and she has been writing about racism, the concept of whiteness and Nordic exceptionalism in Iceland for like the last decade or so. And specifically around like different events that come up around these topics and how Icelanders, because they were a colony of Denmark, positioned themselves with whiteness and like, you know, proximity to Europe to distance themselves from Greenlanders, for instance, who were also a colony of Denmark, but they were considered savages. So they didn't want to be considered savages. Interesting. So it's just like, yeah, all these dynamics that go into play that create a culture and also create the narrative of, you know, race and literally a concept, you know, that we have absorbed, embodied, and often like tried to rebel against. And yet, you know, the system itself is oppressive when it comes to minorities normally so yeah it's been an interesting journey for me because mm-hmm. I also think about for myself what this means and what do I want to contribute to this conversation 
and also how can I help to elevate other voices in this conversation right. because right. it isn't about just me like I'm I'm learning and that's the whole point is to learn and share yeah and that's, that's what all things Iceland was created for culture is meant to be shared um exactly I yes. truly believe that for anyone who wants to check out your content or maybe get in touch or talk more about about Iceland or hear more about Iceland from your perspective, how can we get in touch with you? Sure, there are a decent amount of ways. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'm all things Iceland on YouTube and there I think also like my app out, you have my email address and on Instagram and all things Iceland. I don't really use Twitter, but I have okay. Twitter, you know, Jules Chambers. If you, if you really want to go there, I will try my best to check it, but I don't <laughs> that often. And then on Facebook, I'm also all things Iceland. So a few different platforms that I am uh, juggling and in allthingsiceland.com is where you can find podcast episodes or Spotify, Google Play, anywhere where you listen to podcasts. Great. I will add all of your links into the show notes so that people who are listening to this conversation can click and find your platforms right away. Thank you. Yeah. I've really enjoyed this conversation so much. Me I've enjoyed too. talking with you and getting to know more about your journey with the language and as you're as you're moving through Iceland and and discovering the culture and sharing all of that culture with us. Thank you so much for this conversation. My absolute pleasure and thank you for inviting me on it's an honor to chat with you about all these things <laughs> in life and also just you know, I think your questions are also great as well because it brought out a lot of things in me that I wasn't I don't normally talk about so that was kind of helpful as well so thank you cool I like to end each episode on the same question and that is do you have any jokes tongue twisters cool slang words idioms mm-hmm words of wisdom or words of advice in Icelandic to share? Mm, so there's a one that's word of advice. I think it's interesting or it's at least like a warning. Okay. So it's called, it's blindur er boklois mother. So blind is the bookless man. And in essence, it's like, if you're not reading, because Iceland like, has a high literacy rate, and, uh, and I think one in 12 Icelanders become an author at some point in their life. They, they publish a book. Cool. So this is very much something that is in high regard to read and to be a learned, you know, an educated individual. <laughs> uh, so I think that's just really fascinating to me, this, this wisdom of like, make sure you read because otherwise you're blind. You're basically going in the world without being able to maybe relate to somebody right. or have the knowledge to understand what they're talking about or whatever else. So I like that a lot. Some, uh, I can't remember the phrase, actually, I'll go to another one just because I don't want to mess the phrase up, but <laughs> this is a great word, I think, because it's very apt for Iceland or places where it might be that it looks really beautiful outside, but it doesn't feel beautiful. And that is gluckaveður. So glukka means window and weather means weather. And it literally means window weather. And that's because right now I'm looking out the window, for instance, and it looks, <laughs> it looks nice. But when I go outside, it's going to be a lot cooler or maybe it might be really chilly. So it mm. looks beautiful outside. Like you would love to be out. Then you go and you're like, oh my God, it's horrible. It sucks, right? It's just like the weather, it's really cold. And it's not that I think it's that cold, but it could be cold enough where you're just like, nope, staying inside. <laughs> so they have this, you know, uh, word for 
window weather, where it's just nice to stay in your house and look out the window at the weather rather than actually being in it. Ah, can you teach <laughs> yeah. it to me? It's yeah, Gluka, 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 weather, weather. Yeah, like with a V, weather, weather, Gluka, yeah. and it's a Gluka th. Yeah, so weather. Yeah. I love that phrase. Look of it. Yeah. <laughs> Thank and you so I'll do much. one more. One sure, more. Sure, this sure. was like voted most beautiful word in Iceland one year. Mm-hmm. And that's Leos Moder. So Leos means light and Moder means mother. And it explains a um, midwife. Leos Moder. Moder. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. And so it's beautiful because you think about like bringing like the baby into the light the light mother it's just it is a beautiful idea yeah so I I like that one a lot very powerful thanks for sharing Mm -hmm. those (laughs) my pleasure and thanks for teaching me because I I always like to try at the end of the episodes just to put myself in the spot of a learner Mm -hmm. um thank you once again for this conversation and before I let you go I know you have to run but In this situation, when we've been talking for some time and having some laughs and, you know, nice conversation in Iceland, in Icelandic, what mm-hmm. would be the best way to say goodbye? Mm. I mean, it's pretty simple, honestly. It's just bless or bless, bless. Like if you're saying just goodbye for the night. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just that. Or if you want to say, like, if you're at someone's house and you had a good time, you can say, like, talk for the mig, like, thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, just to kind of let them know that you're satisfied with what they did. <laughs> uh, and then bless or bless, bless to say goodbye. But one kind of unique term that I was not used to, but that I really like now is when you see the person again. So if they invite you over to their house and the next day, so it's not like immediately after, but the next day at work, you say, talk for the see And that means thanks for the last time. And in essence, oh. it's like, yeah, I, I, it's letting them know that like, I really enjoyed that time, that literal last time we were together. And I just wanted to let you know that. So talk for the save us. And it's just, it's really nice. And people like super enjoy hearing that. And of course, saying it to each other. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Well, bless Jules. Thank you again. I'll be talking to you soon. Bye. Yes. Bye. Whoosh, <whistles> whoosh,